Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Seven words that'll scare any politician. Roy Green is holding on line one. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network continues. The uh, ransomware, the malware that has been uh, hit a hundred countries, and uh, including at least one hospital in Canada, and did some significant damage to the National Institute of Health, the uh, British medical system, British hospitals. There's concern that by tomorrow there may be a more muscular version of this ransomware malware that will hit the world. We're going to be speaking with David Fraser, international internet privacy and security lawyer, partner at McKinnis Cooper in Halifax. He's the founder of the Canadian Privacy Law Blog, and he recently authored Cybersecurity, a five-step data breach risk mitigation plan for boards of directors. So um, I think that applies to each and every one of us. We're not necessarily board of directors members, but the issue of cybersecurity, any of us who have computers and smartphones and tablets and are connected to the World Wide Web. And if there's some security issues, you need to hear this. So uh, David Fraser, one of the best in the business, will be joining us before the end of the hour. We'll also be joined by Atoya Montague. She's one of four women who was mentioned by Ralph Goodill, the federal public safety minister, when the minister announced the lawsuit settlement, the class action lawsuits that were settled by uh, hundreds of women who challenged the RCMP, saying that they had been sexually harassed and sexually assaulted. Well, Mr. Goodale, the minister, mentioned Toya Montague on the day of the news conference, and since then he's done nothing for her. Nothing. Nothing. In fact, I contacted Mr. Goodale's office on behalf of Toya Montague and said, what are you doing? I got some gobbledygook back, and uh, we're going to be speaking with Toya because later this week it's possible that Ralph Goodale and the federal government will be releasing the report that the former federal auditor general, Sheila Fraser, put together on how the RCMP handled the complaints of four women employees, who include Natoya Montague. Nothing's been done for her. She's very, very low on financial resources. She can't pay her lawyer's bills. And uh, the emotional toll is tremendous. Now, what's Goodale going to do for Natoya Montague? He used her when he mentioned her name at the news conference, and since then they've done nothing. Nothing. So I think, my feeling is, that Atoya Montague is being held out by the federal government and the RCMP as an example to other women, don't you complain unless you want to have this happen to you. What other conclusion can you draw? So we'll speak with Atoya before the end of the hour. It's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, mums all over this country and people listening to us all over, the, all over the world, really. We get emails from folks who listen online in different parts of the world. Thank you very much. Happy Mother's Day. Carrie Wagner Peck is the author of Not Always Happy, An Unusual Parenting Journey. And what it is is the story 
of raising a son with Down syndrome, first as a foster parent and eventually as an adoptive parent. And um, Carrie Wagner Peck challenged, by the way, Chuck Klosterman, the ethicist for the New York Times, who repeatedly used the R word in the context of ethical behavior. And Klosterman uh, printed an apology and donated $25,000 to a charity of the author's choosing. Carrie Wagner Peck joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Hi, Carrie. Thanks for taking the time. Hi, Roy. It's good to talk to you. You too. So how did you become foster parents? You and your husband, you were in your 40s when this began. Yeah, well, my husband was in his 30s. I was in my 40s. We'd been married a few years. We knew, you know, that we had wanted to raise um, a child. Um, I wasn't, um, we were initially going to go through fertility counseling, and I, <laughs> I came to the conclusion I really didn't want to be pregnant. Um, and then we thought international adoption, because honestly, we, we didn't want to adopt through foster care. We thought we'd be dealing with other people's troubled children. So we were one of those people. Um, and it really became an economic issue. Um, and it was the best decision we could have made. You know, I think we, we thought we knew what our path was, and we were thrown onto another path that um, was the right one. I but read a we, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, please, go ahead. Well, I just, I read a quote from you, and it was, I wrote this book to smash the stereotypes of people with Down syndrome that they're simple and dull and always happy by sharing funny and brutal true life experiences of my now 10-year-old son, readers will understand that he's a complex, full participant in life who is not in need of changing. That is a strong statement. And I'm, and I'm so glad you made it. I have to tell you a quick story, if I may. Okay. There were, I yeah. had, I, we were talking about children's disabilities a number of years ago in, in the studio, and we had three moms in the studio with their, with their children, and they all had various disabilities. And one of the children, a little girl, had Down syndrome. And I kept saying hello to her throughout the show. And she'd just stare at me. She wouldn't say anything. And her mom said, you know, she won't talk to you. She doesn't know you. She won't say anything to you. And I, each, each commercial break, I said, hi, hi. You know, I was trying to make contact with, with her. And she just stared at me. And we went through the show. And it was entertaining and informative. And then when, they, when everybody was leaving... The little girl was leaving with her mom, and she took her mom's hand, and she stopped her mom, and she turned back, and she said to me, Hi. I will never forget that. It was a wonderful moment. So she must have had a comfort level at that time. I mean, yeah. I think, yeah. Um, what were the first? What were the first challenge? How did you get to? How did you get to have a foster child with Down syndrome? How did that happen? Um, well, we, <laughs> first we said we didn't want a child with a disability, that we could probably handle a child who was like colorblind or, you know, left-handed. Right. Um, and our adoption worker, which she's not really clear on, called and said, we know this little boy who is, um, very curious and bright and resilient and he's two years old and he has Down syndrome. And um, my husband and I both experienced the same overwhelming sense of calm. So I wish I could 
you know, I wish I could give you a more articulate reason, but I think I think sometimes you know your child. Um, your child comes in different ways, and I think if you can listen to that voice wherever it comes from, that says this is it, um, and stick with it, which is what we did. Um, and again, instead of trying to control what you think is supposed to happen. So it was all very unplanned. Because I, I was wondering, um, well, first of all, what's your little boy's name? Thorin. T-H-O-R-I-N. Okay, so did you have preconceived notions of what life would be like with a child? How old was he when, when you when you had him as a foster child? Two? Two. So did you have preconceived notions of what life would be like to raise a, a child with Down syndrome, and how quickly were those preconceived notions perhaps dispelled? You know, I think they were... Um, I, I stopped reading. You know, I, I, I started doing a lot of research. Like, that's my go-to place, and talking to a lot of people. And I really objected to what I heard. And so my husband and I made a conscious decision to not do any reading, um, to not educate ourselves at all, that we were going to just experience this person, because that's how they were going to experience us, too. I mean, he couldn't do recon on us. I'm sure he was... No, I mean, he was, changing, he was changing your lives as well. Right. So we were just like, you know, this is, this is Thorin. And I think what sort of radicalized me is people would say just the, you know, I, I wish I had a nickel for every time somebody said they're so happy because it's so offensive. It, it, it really, it does flatten the personality to one really kind of meaningless emotion in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it, it became I think the challenge became how to educate other people. Like, don't, you know, really, this is about individuality. You know, this is a genetic condition which, you know, shapes, um, you know, facial features and the set of the eyes and things like that. But right. the rest of it, we're all up for grabs. Yeah. Do you, did people treat you differently, friends, family, once you had? Yeah, yeah they did, huh? Um, well, I think some people mistakenly thought my husband and I were, like, really great people. Um, I mean, it isn't like we're horrible people, but this is not something that makes us great. Um, this is something that just makes us like other parents. I also think, um, you know, people think it um, becomes a cause, and for us it wasn't. I mean, Thorin is our son, just felt right and that he was that was part of his package um i i don't know yeah i think the misconceptions is that somehow we're like really trying to do good and that's (laughs) i mean we are but it isn't true being parents yeah i imagine he's made the little boys made your lives a lot better you learn things about yourself right you really do. I mean, I think you really, really do as parents. I mean, you one, you learn not to take things personally. Um, you know, I mean, I think if you take parenthood personally, you're in big trouble. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think it is a whole other, um, you become secondary to everything, which Carrie, for me at middle age was nice. Yeah, let me get you to hold on for a second. I have to take a break. We're going to come back and we'll talk some more with Carrie Wagner Peck um, about her book, Not Always Happy. And uh, she writes about uh, funny, but also brutal true life experiences with her now 10 year old son. And I'm quoting. Uh, Carrie directly when she says brutal true life experiences. And uh, she also looks at the uh, issues of foster care adoption and Down syndrome disability homeschooling. And so we'll see how much we can we can talk to her about in the time that we have available. But it's, uh, it's quite, a, quite a story. And I've found some foster care facts that uh, I want to share some of them with you. Anyway, we'll come back and we'll, on Mother's Day we'll talk some more with Carrie about her son, and about the book, Not Always Happy. If you're looking for real-life radio, you've come to the right place. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com, on Twitter at The Roy Green Show, and we're on Facebook, of course, and I uh, do write blogs, and you'll find them on uh, my show page on the Chorus Radio Station. You are listening to Carrie Wagner Peck is my guest. That's Carrie with a K, A-R-I, Wagner, W-A-G-N-E-R, hyphen P-E-C-K. Her website is CarrieWagnerPeck.com. Her book is Not Always Happy, An Unusual Parenting Journey, and she and her husband became foster children as you've been hearing, of a Down syndrome child. And then they became the adoptive parents. And uh, I just have some stats here. I don't need to comment on them. I just want to read them to you. Because it's difficult for children to live in an institutional environment. 80% of all children in foster care have serious emotional problems. 40% of homeless youth were in foster care at some time. More than 60% of youth in government care will not have achieved a high school diploma by the time they reach age 19. 65% of youth in government care have been diagnosed with a mental health issue at least once during their childhood. Now, this is just this is all kids, not kids right. with, with, with a disability. So how old was, was, was your son when you and your husband decided, Carrie, to go from being the foster parents to being the adoptive parents, and how much of a challenge was that? Um, well, actually, we wanted to adopt him right off the bat. But, mm-hmm. You know, you're dealing with the bureaucracy, and it, it actually takes, time it took a year so we had always agreed to adopt Thorne. um that was always the plan but it took a year just in terms of the court and all the proceedings um which i think is typical you know probably for a lot of families that go through adoption i mean uh, with foster care right and how old was he at the time he was two when we got him and so then he was three when we were able to adopt him. So you become mom and dad. You're mom and dad right away, but you officially you have the paperwork that says you're mom and dad. Um, It is. I mean, I think we always felt, you know, from that moment that we first heard about, I mean, I, I certainly felt that tug. Like I was, I knew this was right. So then it becomes a formality, but, you know, we, it, you know, Thorin always knew us as mom and dad, 
when right. he met us. He had been in another foster home, you know, kind of as a a, a waiting place. Um, but you're the only people so, he knows as mom and dad, clearly. Um, no, I mean, he, I'm sure he has recollections of his um, biological family. Um, and I know he has recollections of the woman who um, was with him following that. Here we have about um, we have about two minutes. In, in your in your book, you uh, you've said you, you want to share funny and brutal true life experiences that people who are maybe considering uh, fostering or adopting children with with disabilities would would be would learn from. Give us an example of one such incident. Um, Something I you wrote about. Um, that sort of seals the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I would really encourage people to not decide their path in life. You know, and this isn't, a, I wish I could think of a funny anecdote right now because I am pretty funny, but right now I feel really serious. I would really encourage people to let, you know, the universe or whoever it is speak to them, speak to them. Because I think we overplan and we're so focused on this perfect family idea and none of us have that. So if we can kind of let go of that and and go with what comes our way in a loving, accepting way um, and with good humor and cheer. But I think um, adoption is usually like the second or third option for people, mm-hmm. and it wasn't for us. And I, I think adoption needs to be thought of as a, as a true course, a way to parenthood. Well, I, I don't have a copy of your book yet. They're sending it to me, but I'm looking forward oh, to great. reading it because I, it really sounds like a remarkable story. And you and your husband are remarkable people because a lot of folks would not do what you did, would not take oh, on not fostering folks. or adopting a developmentally challenged child. They wouldn't do it. No, no, no. We're not remarkable. Yes, you are. We're, we have a remarkable son. We're very lucky, um, you know, good health. Um, we've got a super bright curious boy. We're well, very, very lucky. I wish you a happy Mother's Day and congratulations on on being a mom. Thank you. I really like talking to you. Thank it's you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Carrie. Take care. Okay. Carrie Wagner-Peck. And the book, again, is called and Not Always Happy. CarrieWagnerPeck.com is the website.